you ready to organize your amazing ideas into a powerful book? It's time to write your book. Welcome to the Write Hour, nonfiction tips from the Write Coach. And I'm Joyce Glass, your host. I am so glad you joined me today. Welcome to episode 204 of the Write Hour. We're going to be talking about using articles to expand your writing career with my friend Michelle Medlock-Adams. I am so excited to spend this time with her and you're going to love her as much as I do. We had a great time creating this episode for you. She is an award-winning journalist and best-selling author. She has authored over 80 books with close to 4 million books sold. Her latest children's book, My First Day of School, won the Sela Award for Best Children's Book in 2018. That will be her fourth Sela for Best Children's Book since 2012. And I was so excited I got to be there and see her accept that award. It was a fun night. In fact, in 2014, Michelle's board book, God Knows You, not only won the Sela for the Best Children's Book, but also won the esteemed Book of the Year honor over all other Sela winners. And since graduating with a journalism degree at, from Indiana University, she has written more than 1,500 articles for newspapers, magazines, and websites. Today, she's the president of Platinum Literary Services, a premier full-service literary firm, and co-owner of Platinum Lit Books, which is a boutique publishing company specializing in leadership and business books. So when she's not working on her own assignments, Michelle ghostwrites for celebrities, politicians, and some of today's most effective and popular ministries. Michelle is a sought-after teacher at writers' conferences and universities around the nation, which is where I met her at the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Writers' Conference. In fact, she has served as an adjunct professor three different years at Taylor University teaching writing for children. Michelle is married to her high school sweetheart, Jeff, and they have two beautiful daughters, Abby and Allison, two son-in-laws, one grandson, and another sweet baby on the way. Jeff and Michelle share their home in southern Indiana with miniature dash hound, a rescue shepherd collie mix, and two cats. And when she's not writing or teaching about writing, Michelle enjoys bass fishing and cheering on the Indiana University basketball team, the Chicago Cubbies, and the LA Kings. You're going to find the links to connect with Michelle in the show notes. Have fun, and I hope you learn as much as I did from this episode. All right, today we have Michelle Medlock Adams with us, and she is going to help you figure out if writing articles is the best thing for your writing career. But first, Michelle, welcome. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And tell us just a little bit about yourself and your journey into writing. How did you start writing? I have been writing since I was in first grade. I'm not kidding. I loved to write from the time I was seven years old. Began writing poems. I won my first grade poetry contest out of the whole first grade. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm good at something. So, you know, <laughs> that was it. I was like, I'm hooked. And, uh, and so I've been writing my whole life. But I went to journalism school at Indian University. Go Hoosiers. And um, I, my goal was to be like the next Connie Chung. She was the big deal of the time. And so I, I took the TV route, and I was going to be the on-air TV reporter. And I, I did okay with that, but I really didn't like it because you couldn't tell the whole story. It was just little snippets. And I really liked to be able to do the written work so I could 
tell the whole story and set the scene and all of that. So I quickly changed out of that major. And it's true, the camera does add 10 pounds. So that was another reason. I was like <laughs> completely not, not loving that. So I switched to magazine newspaper pretty quickly. And right out of college, I got a job working as a reporter for a, a daily newspaper and then eventually the Associated Press. Uh, and then I went, uh, we moved to Texas. For my job, I worked for a, a worldwide like ministry magazine. And in the course of doing that, I learned to ghostwrite and then write for kids. I'd always written funny little rhymes and things for my own kids and then, and like just friends and family. But when um, the, the guy that was writing the children's pages in the back of our magazine, they moved him to do all the techie stuff. That's when the internet was really hitting big. And so they moved him out and they said, let's see, who else on our staff has kids? And I was the only other one. And he's like, you have kids, right? My, my boss, I'm like, yes, I have two little girls. He goes, great, you can write the children's pages. I'm like, listen. Just because I have them doesn't mean I know how to write for them. <laughs> so, I mean, I had to learn how to do that. So I really became a pretty well-rounded writer. But my, my forte was always in journalism. So I, I'm a nonfiction girl, and I grew up you know, writing articles for newspapers and magazines. So that's, that's kind of how I got into the, my profession, and I've loved it ever since. But I always love feature stories and how-to stories, and anything nonfiction makes me excited. So I'm glad we're talking about that today. Yes, well, I'm, we're definitely glad to have you here. Tell us a little bit about your family. My family? Yeah. They are a hoot. I mean, if you've ever seen the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding, that's pretty much my family. We are loud eating people. So we, do. <laughs> we get together, we eat, and we're loud, and we laugh, and we just, we're in each other's business. That's, that's who we are. Um, my, my, my sister, I have a sister and a brother who are older than I am. In fact, I was born when my sister was 17 and my brother was 15. They were so embarrassed that their mother was pregnant. I mean, think about that. People are like, they're like, I heard about your mom. And they're like, dying. Oh, my gosh. Um, and then uh, I married my high school sweetheart. Uh, and he is still as handsome as ever. His name's Jeff. And we had two daughters back to back. They're 20 months apart. The day I could zip up my jeans comfortably, I was pregnant again. It's <laughs> so we had two daughters. And now they are, we just, last year, we had both girls get married within the same year. So, um Abby's two-year anniversary is June 11th, and Abby just celebrated her one-year anniversary with her husband on June the 3rd. And, and so Abby, my oldest daughter, who's been married two years, um, she's given us a grandson, and his name is Bear. Yes, you heard that right. Bear, B-E-A-R. That's right. He's so cute. And then uh, she let us know on Mother's Day that she is pregnant again. So, oh my goodness. Following after her mother, they're going to be like 15 months apart, and she's due uh, December 24th. So Merry Christmas to me. I get to be a Gigi again. I'm so happy. Yes. Oh my goodness. All I can say is bless her. It, it'll be tough till they're about three or four, but then after that, it's actually just kind of fun, isn't it, when they're that close? Right. Because they'll be good friends. I mean, that's why I said, it's like, they'll always be friends. Just like Abby and Allison are best friends. They still are. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'm excited. It, it's a good life. And empty nesting, I thought would be really hard. And and it was at first because I wasn't sure how I fit into everybody's lives or what my role would be, but I love it. I mean, Jeff, I cried for the first little bit because I didn't really know what to do with the girls being gone. I mean, there was nobody to look after or go to ball games because they were always in sports and things. And, and he, he said one day, he's like, I can't believe you're so sad about this. I've waited 20 years to get you to myself again. He's like, let's have fun. I'm like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> so it's just like a big honeymoon. We get to travel and, you know, it's you know, we don't have a curfew. There's nobody to answer to except for the animals. We have a couple dogs, a couple cats, but um, it's, right. it's, so empty nesting is not a bad thing in case anybody's heading that way and they're nervous about it. I can promise you, you're going to love it. 
I am um, essentially there. He's almost married and he's mm -hmm. off at school. And so he, he's getting married this year or next year sometime. We haven't got a date yet. So <laughs> it's a good time. it is interesting, but we've, we've had an interesting two years to get here. And so it's kind of like, I'm so happy to have like normal now, like I can have a schedule. I know I don't have to worry about traveling with dogs back and forth to Asheville and worrying about when the house going to sell or has it. <laughs> yes. I've lived all those things. <laughs> just like praise Jesus. I'm like, I kept praying like, Lord, uh, just a little calm, just a little calm mm -hmm. for a while would be so nice. Yeah. Just, just a normal life for a little bit. But yes. I think as writers, we, um, someone had said to me just the other day on, on Facebook, they're like, girl, you, I can't even keep up with you. You are traveling everywhere. And I said, I know for a lot of years I didn't travel anywhere because I was just, if I was home, I was a stay, I was, I was home with my girls. I mean, that's, I wanted to be there and mm -hmm. I worked, but, but I, I just, my whole life was them. And so I guess I'm making up for lost time. I don't know. We are traveling a lot. I mean, it's mostly has to do with work, but you know, if I'm going someplace to, to teach at a writer's conference or a women's conference and there's a lake nearby, I'll bring my portable fishing pole. You know, I'm going to, we'll go fishing and, and have some fun. So it's great that he, Jeff can go with me because he owns his own business. So he, he can pretty much go with me unless it's tax season because he's a CPA, but uh, right now he can go with me. So we're, we're planning some trips. I'm excited, but awesome. it's, I think being, being writers, it gives you that luxury. You can kind of work for yourself and you can work from anywhere. You've got a laptop. You can just work from any place. It is nice. Well, if you ever need to come fishing, I'm on a lake too. So I'm, well, you better get that guest bedroom ready then. So. It's ready. It stays ready. Whoever wants to come. You think I'm kidding, but I will book my ticket. Come on. We got the boat and the pool and everything. So uh, amen. Amen to all that. So, well, tell us, um, did you only, do you only write nonfiction in children's books or do you do any other kind of writing? Explain to us a little bit um, what you write. And what are you working on right now? I do. I, I usually, I used to just do nonfiction for children. Um, I do quite a bit of that because there's that, that's the easiest way to break into the children's market is to write nonfiction, be it articles or even books, you know, doing supplemental things for Bibles or activity books. Those kind of things are easy to, easy to get in the marketplace more so than like a picture book. Um, but I do quite a bit of fiction for children. I haven't done fiction for adults. I don't know that I ever will. But um, my first venture, I've always done board books and picture books for kids fiction and nonfiction. But just this past year, I put together a proposal um, for middle grade, and I wasn't even going to shop it. In fact, I just mentioned it to my agent that I had it, and I never talked about it again. We asked some things I had. I'm like, I have this, this, and I kind of went, and I have middle grade. I didn't even really say much about it. And But we happened to be at a conference about this time last year called Right to Publish. It's at Wheaton University. Lynn Johnson runs. It's a great conference. And there was a gal there. She was the publisher, not just the editor, but the publisher of um, Little Lamb Books. Her name is Rachel Pellegrino, and we were hanging out in the faculty, well, it wasn't just faculty lounge, but everybody was in there, conferees and faculty, and she said, what are you working on? I'm like, oh, I was telling her some of the things that were due right then, because I was doing a devotional for women, for moms, actually, and she said, um, Kyle said that you have, my agent, said you had a middle grade series. We're looking for a middle grade series. I'm like, I didn't know he heard me. I said, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> I, and it was almost like I was trying not to sell. I'm like, I don't know if you'll like it. I mean, it's like my first venture into that age group. She's like, let me see it. Well, she signed me to a five book deal. So I, I mean, I'm so excited. And I'll tell you what, it is the most fun. I am having so much fun with this. I turned in the first book um, in January. And so we've just done the edits on that. I'm finishing up those edits. because We just got the edits back last month. And then 
we're starting the second book right away. And it's, it's so much fun. It's like the most fun I've had in a long time. I didn't know I would love it as much as I do. So that's new for me, brand new. You know, that makes you feel so vulnerable when you mm-hmm. have kind of done really well in one area, like nonfiction or like picture books and board books, kind of my thing. But to just try something new, it really stretched me as a writer. And, uh, and I like that. I like, I like being pushed out of that nest sometimes where I'm all comfy. Um, so that's this time I, I, I think I fell on my head a couple of times, but my editors helped me to fly. So I'm loving that I'm growing as a writer. And so yeah. I encourage everybody to do that. Try things that you don't just say, I only do this or I only do that. I think it's good to, to try some other areas because you might surprise yourself. God might have you, you know, position to do devotions and you didn't even know you could write devotions well. So I always say, try it. You might like it. Right. Definitely. So is this a nonfiction or fiction for the, the young adult? It's fiction for, for middle grade. I had done some nonfiction like devotionals, but this is actually, it's a fiction series. It's about a group of girls in middle school. It's super cute. They're there. And there are five main characters. So each book is from a different character's point of view. And the first one is called the power of the press, unless we rename it. So we'll see. Yeah. So excited. I know. That is exciting. That is exciting. And well, I am never one to just do one thing. I'm like, I've got to have my hands in all the pies. So I've done the devotional thing and I help write nonfiction. And so my, I'm, I'm writing a novel, as you know. Yes. And so that's that, but that is a totally different beast from nonfiction. And, but it has yeah. actually helped me with my fi- nonfiction. Yeah. Because there's so many elements in fiction that you can use in nonfiction that I really enjoy. So that's even James teaches about that, you know, about story and the power of story. And so I, I love Stephen James. I just heard him mm-hmm. speak a couple weeks ago. And I think that is so true. You're exactly right. That that writing creative nonfiction and using that the pacing and the and the plot, you know, really the structure of a story, everything that, that you put in your fiction, you can put into those same elements into your nonfiction and it makes it sing. It makes it so much better. Oh, you've got his book too. Me too. And I, I just, both of them. The, the, I just one. bought the one, the troubleshooting your novel or that one. I bought that one because I asked them about, I was, I had it. We went on a fishing trip. Well, just a one day thing when we were teaching at that conference mm-hmm. um, in series writer conference in Lexington, South Carolina. We we're staying at Jeannie, uh, Jean Wyland's house. Anyway, that morning I was going fishing. I said, do you want to go? Because I can take another person and nobody else wants to go with me. He said, yeah, I'll go. So I had him on the captive on this boat with, you know, our two guides for like six hours. So he couldn't leave. He couldn't jump ship. So I was able to say things about my book, uh, my middle grade series. And he said, you know what's going to really help you? Because some of the things I'm having trouble with on point of view, he said, get this, get my book. And so I ordered it. It just came in. I'm so excited to, to get into it. Yeah, I went to both of his classes at the conference, and they were phenomenal. Um, he's amazing. Yeah. He's an amazing teacher. Yeah. Yeah. He's hilarious, and just, I love his, his practicality. He's very practical. It's yes, very it easy to follow. It's not, you know, mm-hmm. you know, some writing books, they're, you read them, and you're going, okay, now I've got yeah, that's too deep for me. Let's, yeah. Yeah, they figure out where they're at and go back, but anyways. Well, how do you choose what writing projects to work on? Do you say, you know, I'm working on, and do you work more from more than one at a time? I do. I'm like you. I don't like just to do one thing. I wear many hats. And so really the way I, I kind of structure my day, it depends on what's due first. So the hottest deadline, the hot potatoes, they, those get worked on first. Um, so for right now, like Bethany Jett and I, my business partner at Platinum Literary um, and Platlet Books, she's my business partner, my best friend. She and I sold a book to Kriegel and it's called, uh, they call me mom. It's a mom devotional. Well, it's due August 31st, so we're like, you know, we got like 84 days or something, and we just only have each written one. <laughs> so we have 
1500. How many you have to be in there? We have to do 52 and we each write and it's about 50,000 word books. So yeah, we, we need to get our hind ends into gear, but we've been teaching, we've been traveling. And so we just, we just, um, I was talking to her a minute ago actually, and we plotted a whole week where we're both going to go hole up in a cabin together and we'll probably able to crank out 20, 25,000 words in that week. Just sitting there because we're no, there'll be no distractions. If I go to her house, you know, we're all hanging out. Her, she's the sweetest boys. And we, I go at, like, she's the one saying, you've got, you know, you boys go play. And I'm going, I'm going to go play football with the boys. She's like, you're here to work with me. But I'm like excited to be with her kids. So um, we have to just go someplace else out of our natural habitat. Like my house or her house. And we're going to hole up in a cabin for a week um, in the second week of July and just crank that baby out. So right now that's on my priority list. And then, uh, I've got two children's books coming out, so I'm doing promotional work for those. So my Dinosaur Devotions book comes out in October with Tommy Nelson. I met with um, the VP of Tommy Nelson when I was in New York last week at BEA. And while I was there, she's saying, you know, this, this is what we expect of our authors. You know, we talked about a promotional plan. It's a lot of work, and, and so I have to I have time for that. So that's on my plate. I also have a CS for Christmas book coming out with uh, Little Land Publishing in September. So I've got, I've got to, um, we just finished edits on that. But I've got to figure out how to promote that as well while promoting this other one, <laughs> the Science for Devotions, and my book with my friend Gina that comes out. It's a remake of a Daily Wisdom for Working Women. We redid it with Worthy. It comes out August 7th, and it's called um, Fabulous and Focused Devotion, 365 Devotions for Working Women. And so we have to promote that. I just, I've been doing a lot of press for that. So you have to figure out how to, how to balance promotion for the stuff that's coming out and then work on the stuff that, that's still due. All the while, writing proposals so that when you finish all of that, you've got something else to work on. Because if right. you don't do marketing stuff in the meantime, right. by the time you finish everything, you will not have one thing to work on. And that's, that's I made that mistake before, and that is a bad thing to do. You know, you, finish, you hit all your deadlines, you're like, woo, party, time for a dance, yay, I won, victory dance. And then you realize, oh, wait, there's no, I have no assignments. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants a, an empty plate, and especially me, because I'm a full-time freelancer. That's how I make my living. I have for many years. So you have to, you have to balance marketing, too. So, yeah, I guess the way I structure it is what's due first as long as, and, and I'll work on that until I'm just, you know, your, your brain gets fuzzy and you think, mm, I, I'm, I'm at a stopping point there, and I'll, I'll put that away till tomorrow. I'm, I'm at a good spot where I know where to pick up tomorrow, and I'm going to go ahead and work on this promotional stuff for a while. It's a completely different. Right. Um, Part of your brain, and, and and when I'm at my best, I'll, I'll do I'll do this really serious writing. The marketing stuff I can do it on just about you know 75 percent, like later in the day. So um, yeah, you just kind of figure out how you're wired, what your best hours are, and devote your best hours not on Facebook, not on promotional stuff, but on the actual writing process. Right. That's how I figure it out. That's usually how I do it. And articles, if I have the articles due during that season, they're usually the ones I'm working in between deadlines. So I just work them in, and they're kind of a nice. A cushion between book assignments. I'll tell you why. Because you have a sense of accomplishment. Let's say I've got a 750 word article due for home life. When I finish that, I'm so excited. It's done. I can turn it in. I can go, woo, I finished that. I'll eventually get paid. That's a good thing. Um, but, but if you're working on a, a you know, a 75,000 word novel or something, that's not going to happen in a couple of days, but you can finish an article in a couple of days. Right. So in between finishing this big project, you get these little victories in between. That helps me. That helps me survive and feel good about things. Exactly. Well, and of course, um, if people aren't exhausted yet from listening to what <laughs> hopefully they're not. I hope not. Not everybody has to go at Michelle's pace. Oh, no, that's right. I'm a, <laughs> and, I'm a nut. Yeah. And 
and you got to figure out your own pace and your you own do. path and what you're going to focus on. And, and Michelle and I were talking a little bit before we got on the I'm at as I'm trying to figure out, you know, my next steps and where I want to actually focus with my writing career. So it, it, it constantly evolves. Don't you think it, it evolves this with, with, with what you're doing? Just like you never set out to do middle school mm-hmm. writing, fiction writing, but here you are expanding to that but you didn't start there no i would have told you that you're crazy if you told me even a couple years ago i'd be doing that i I just would always say well that's just i love that but that's just not for me until i tried it and found out okay i kind of like this i don't know if i'm any good at it but let me give it a go and uh and so i think that's you're right there will be different seasons where you'll do one thing more than others like i had a season where i just ghost wrote a bunch of books like I mean, I probably have 15 on my resume at this point. And it seems like I did those back to back. And all of a sudden, I'm like, when was the last time I had my name on a book? I haven't done anything in a while. But I worked constantly. But I, as a ghostwriter, nobody knew. So I, had all, I was making decent money, really good money. And I was getting better as a writer, but I was writing for somebody else. And at some point, I just felt the Lord saying, you know, it's, it's time for you. It's time for us to do this now. And, and I just kind of moved out from behind the ghost. Yes, <laughs> right. I was like, I, and it was, you know, I just felt that shifting in the spirit kind of like, okay, I need, I'm God's ready for me to do this now. And it wasn't like this, you know, dramatic voice from heaven. I just knew in my spirit, it was time to move on. And it was easy to say no to the next ghost writing project. And I, and I did, and I started my own stuff again. So you'll have seasons where you'll do different things, but Every single thing that you do makes you a better writer. So I, I never have regrets about having done something that maybe doesn't, if I look back on my path, I'm like, that doesn't seem to really be in line with, with everything I do, but it made me a better writer. There was a reason for it. So mm-hmm. I, I always say, just try different things as a writer. It's like, this is like the funnest job ever, right? I mean, how could you not love to write? It's exactly. just, it's a blast whether you do fiction or nonfiction. It's so much fun. I, I think we're very blessed that, that we get to do what we do. Exactly, which leads us into the whole reason we are going to talk today <laughs> is about articles, because that is something yeah. I'm interested in, and for those of you listening, I have never done. Now, I've done blog posts, which is essentially an article mm-hmm. on the internet, but I have never ventured into actually getting paid to write articles, and so I'm interested in this, and it's part of the reason I had Michelle come on, is because I want to know her take. I know she's done this well for a while. Mm-hmm. And just give us all some guidance. So how can we use this as authors to our advantage using articles? How can we do that? So articles are great for several reasons. First of all, I think I already mentioned it. They're a quick turn. You could do an article in a couple of days, whereas a book's going to take you months and months and months, even a year. So that's good because you can you can rack up some publishing credits if you don't have any. Mm-hmm. Um, all, every time you go to a writer's conference or you watch a writing seminar online, you're going to see or hear people saying, Platform, platform, platform. It's all about building your platform. And I know people are sick of hearing it, but I was just at the Book Expo America in um, in in New York, in New York City, and everybody said the same thing. When you talk to an editor, immediately they would say, "Well, what is your platform?" That is something that they're always going to ask. And so that part of the building platform is just getting your name out there. And blogging is great. I have a blog. I think it's great to blog. My blog is headlines, fishing lines, and laugh lines. It's through my website. I think it's good to have a blog, but and a magazine article gives you a little bit more credibility because that means somebody had to um, ask you for it and then they're going to publish it. Whereas, you know, blog, we're doing that ourselves. So I think it's really important to, to, um, to get, earn credibility through, through magazine writing. And you can be strategic about it. So it's not only do you make money because a lot of these ma- magazines pay, 
um, and you, you earn some credibility because it's more publishing credits to your name. And it's a nice quick turn in between those big long articles or books that you're working on. But the other thing I really like about writing articles is that um, you can strategically choose assignments or pitch assignments that will help build your credibility as an expert in whatever area you're writing. So let's say that you're writing a nonfiction book for moms, which I am right now with my friend Bethany. So it would be it would be smart for me then to sort of hone in on ma like magazines that that are for moms, moms of all ages. Um, it would be great to, to write for like parenting magazines, both secular and Christian. That's that's where I should be spending and Bethany spending our time right now. Not writing in magazines. I mean, not that I couldn't write in others, but to really focus pitching articles that maybe will stem from things I'm writing about in the book. So when I write an article about um, how to balance your work life with your mom life, like how to, how to be this, this you know, this, Bethany calls it being the CEO of your home life, which she kind of coined that term. So if you're trying to write about that, um, and that's actually a chapter in your book, or you have maybe 10 or 12 emotions about that, at the bottom of the article, let's say it runs in a magazine like um, Parenting or, or uh Child today or one of those and so at the bottom it'll say written by Michelle Medlock Adams author of they call me mom then it'll have a link if it's an online magazine where you can click it and go buy it or it'll, it'll have the picture of the book cover and tell you you know this book is available at or our books are sold so it's kind of nice because not only will I probably get paid for that article most magazines pay but I'm also promoting whatever project it is I really need to be promoted right now so and you're building um, credibility in that area so you become a mom expert you know people moms moms start to see you in that in that that light and many times people will find a magazine article of mine where I've written about something like that and then say hey I read your article about balancing work life and mom life we'd love to have you come speak to our mops group well yeah I'd love to come and they found me by the magazine article so I think that that is there's there are several pluses to it mm -hmm. um and I think I've recapped it. You gain credibility, you make a little money, it's a quick turn in the midst of huge projects, and you can actually be strategic and start to build credibility and, and get your name out there for whatever project you're trying to promote in, in the larger scale. So there's, there's lots of benefits. I love writing articles. I love writing for magazines. And I think that third-party credibility is huge, you know, where it, um, it, they're giving you that validity as of you as a really good writer, not just you know, you're out there and you're doing your thing and you may or may not be good, you right. know? So I like that because somebody else has chosen your article mm -hmm. to run. And I like the idea of making it mesh with what you're working on. So be, yeah, be it makes right. sense. Yeah. It, I'll tell you what, it makes sense too. And this is something that I do. And I teach this when I, with our clients at Platt Lit. Um, one thing you can do is, so let's say that you're working on a nonfiction book. Of, we'll just, we'll stick with the mom thing about moms. And, you know, your publisher, let's, you've got this book, and their publisher wants you to partner with them. Long gone are the days that you can sit in your cabin and hole up and write the great American book, right, and then not have to do any promotion. Like, that's no longer, that is no longer the deal. And unless you're an author like, like a Beth Moore or one of those, most of their publishing advertising dollars go to those, the bigger authors. So you, they'll do a little bit with, with the rest of us. But, you know, you're kind of on your own. You're going to be doing your own press releases and your own blog tours. I mean, you're, they'll, they'll partner with you a little bit, but you have to know that a lot of that rests on your shoulders. And you want the book to do well, so you'll get more contracts. And royalty checks are nice, too, let's be honest. So it's important to, to get yourself out there. Well, if I am working on this mom book, that is going to be so close to my heart. I'm going to have that in my head because I'm in the middle of it. 
So it's, it makes sense then to take that energy and, and use it. I call it mining your gold mine. You're already in there. Mine some of those nuggets out of there and spin off articles from some of the that you're already writing. Right. You know, not just excerpting, but if I'm talking about um, – if I'm talking about in there about discipline, like how to discipline your child and love and like what are, how do you draw boundaries and, and how does that change as they go from, you know, uh, being an elementary school student to middle school? Like if we're talking about that, well, I can probably pull two or three articles just from that chapter in my book. Then that those same article ideas, I, I'll tell my clients is spin those into talks. Actually do like a name it something like the name of the article could be the name of your talk. Write a couple of sentences about what you'll talk about. Put that on like Christian the women speakers.com. It's free. It's free for speakers for women. And and you can have five or six, I think you can have up to ten topics that you could actually have already you've already developed them in your chapters. Right. So then people, women's ministry directors who are looking for speakers will be like, oh, man, Joyce has something on this. We've been looking for somebody to speak about, you know, um, balancing life and family. Let's see, she'll come. So you'll come and speak. And if your book's out, you can sell your book in the back of the room. If the book isn't out, you're building an audience for when it does come out. Right. You're getting a mailing list. You're telling them about the book's coming out. I mean, this all works hand in hand. So that your speaking uh, topics can be spun off of the, those articles that you're pulling out of the book you're working on. So it's, it's almost like why do double the work? If you're already in the midst of that, just exactly. sign so, that old line. You're, and you're not changing directions because nope. you're already there. So That's I right. think that is crucial for writers to understand when we say write articles, doesn't necessarily mean you got to go and think something completely different up. Mm -hmm. It's it's spun off, like you said, of what you're already working on. Take That's a little right. nugget of it. And take the concept and maybe add some more to it that's different than what you have in the book. That's right. And make it a little more timely or something. You know, but add a sidebar, like a, like that extraneous information that doesn't quite go in the main story. But you'll see the magazines a lot. They love sidebars. Editors love those because it's it's another visual element in their spread that they're you know they're they're working in terms of a, a magazine spread. And so a sidebar or a pull-out box or a really good quote, you can make a pull-out quote. Add another source if you need another source, not just in your, like a lot of times magazines will say, well, we know that you're kind of an expert in this and that this is a niche that you write in. However, we would like to have a psychologist or a psychiatrist, somebody, a counselor, somebody who's got all those letters after their name to kind of lend some more credibility to the article. Well, if you need a source, that's either, it's already different. You spun off the idea from your book, but you're going to bring in another source to really give this um, particular subject matter some even more credibility, not just yours, but another professional. Right. And you can find those sources um, a couple different places, and it's free to journalists. Uh, it's called ProfNet, P-R-O-F-N-E-T, ProfNet.com. Okay, and it's, we'll put that in the show notes. It is great. And there's also HelperReporterOut.com. Those are the two I use the most. They're free. Um, they never charge anything. And, and like, like, let's say I get an uh, article assignment from um, Mature Years or something. Let's say I'm writing for them, and it's about how to, how to have – I do a lot of health writing – so how to um, how to begin a walking program in your in your uh, senior citizen years, and so I can talk about you know how I've trained some of my clients because I've I've trained in fitness for a while, but I need somebody who really specializes in geriatric fitness, and I really don't. So what I do is I'll go to ProfNet and I'll and I will tell the nature of my article um, about how many words I'm writing. I don't always know unless they've told me, but usually writers' guidelines will tell you that on the, the magazine. And if I already have an assignment, I'll know how many words I'm supposed to hit. And I'll also know the name of the publication, so I'll put that in there. And then here's what I do. I will actually structure my questions, how I'm thinking this article is going to flow. So really, if, they, if the person answers them the way I hope they do, I'm going to have an article written for me, which is a few little connecting clauses. You know, 
right. just have great quotes from them with a, with a couple sentences from me and drop down to another quote from them. I'm already structuring the article as I, form, as I format my questions. You can actually ask the questions as many as you want. You can, and then you can be very specific. This is a genius thing. You can be very specific on what kind of sources you want. I can say, let's say I'm writing for a Baptist magazine, like a Lifeway publication. I can say, I only want counselors who deal with geriatric, um, you know, senior citizen fitness, who are um, who attend a Baptist church or who are you know affiliated with the Baptist church in some way. Yeah, that you can be that specific, and you'll still get ten or fifteen people who will answer you. And you can say, I want them to answer me by email or by telephone. I always say email. That way I can determine who's the best source based on their answers. And if I want more information, I'll call them. So it's, I mean, I'm telling you, it'll change the way you do your job. Having, having a great source can get your article, uh, really be, move it to the front cover. As soon as I'll get the cover story, because I have a great source. Right. Well, and that leads to the next question, because some people are going, okay, I have no clue how to even begin this. And part of what you were just saying about how you format the article, and you tell me if I'm wrong here, I feel like it's very similar to a blog post. You want a beginning, a middle, an end. You want some sort outsourcing of, um, you know, quotes from other people, whether it be from a book or like you said, like you get it from them. Mm -hmm. And then add your information in and make it interesting. You always want to have some kind of, Quote, if it's spiritual, you want a verse in there, some kind of scripture reference. And if, like you're talking about exercise, having mm -hmm. the other people come in. So it's really not that hard. Think of it as, in most articles, if, uh, 600 to 1,500 words, something like that, depending upon the... Yes, and if you, if you get the Writer's Market Guide, like there's the Christian Writer's Market Guide that's put out by Steve Lobby. Mm -hmm. um, and you can get that on Amazon. I have that one. And then the Writer's Digest version is just called the Writer's Market Guide. And it has general market as well as Christian markets in there. Where Steve Lobby's only has Christian and will have more Christian markets. It'll have everything from little, you know, baby, like zero to three magazines like Baby Bug, all the way up to the senior citizens. And so there's, there's so many magazines out there, both online and print more online than print at this point, that are looking for writers. And so what you do, this is how you go about this. Uh, if, you, if you're not already hooked into a magazine who are offering you assignments, which after a while you will be, they, they'll start coming to you, you don't have to go to them. But go through it and look, at, and look up some magazines. Just start thumbing through. I love to th thumb through my Writer's Digest. And I'll look through that and I'll say, okay, let's see. Here's one. This is one I actually know about. It's called Positive Note Magazine. It'll tell me where they're located. It'll tell me how to get a hold of them, which email to use, and it'll tell you a little bit about them. This tells you it's a bi-monthly digital magazine. It's got about 1,500 subscribers. Um, it's for the target audience ages 25 to 50-year-old women, and the purpose of this magazine is to deliver your daily, weekly, monthly, and lifetime dose of positivity. It's all about positive stories. Then it tells you how to submit. They only take email submissions. They don't want, you know, they don't, it says um, they will take it as an attachment. And they, they're not even looking for just a query letter, which I'll talk about that in a minute. They're looking for the whole manuscript. Send me the whole article. And it tells you how much they pay. They want three to 400 word articles. And it tells you if they work on theme related. And then it tells you where to go to find the theme. So that means each month they have a different theme. Whereas like November is probably about gratefulness. You know, March might be about forgiveness. So if you turn in an article for gratefulness, you're going to say this would be great for your November issue. That's it. So you have to kind of know how this works. But you won't know those things if you don't look at the writer's market guidelines. Um, and it tells you about this about every particular magazine so that you know exactly. You almost can't mess it up. It tells you how to submit, where to submit, how, how long it should be, 
the focus of it. And I always say go to their website, look at some back issues, and see what their tone is. Because everybody's tone is a little bit different, and you want to make your article reflect their tone so that they'll go, man, that sounds just like our magazine. This girl can write for us. Um, and the way you do a query letter, some magazines don't want you to send a whole manuscript. They want you to pitch them the, the idea for the story before you write it. Now, you've already written it and still pitch it, but I save time this way. I'm not going to write a story if, I, if there's not going to be a home for it. Now, if I do, I'll probably use it in my blog or something. But if I'm, if I'm trying to strategically uh, position magazine articles in various magazines, I'd like to know that somebody actually wants it. So I'll do a query letter, which is basically just a, a cover letter. Um, I'll flush left very business with, you know, your name and all of your contact information, the date, and then the editor's name and all the magazine's contact information. I'll double space down and do like, you know, dear, whatever their name is, double space down in your first paragraph. I often will, if I've, if I've written the piece or if I've got my lead written, I will just go into Word and copy and paste my lead and stick it at the top of that letter and let that be my first paragraph because that's going to wow them. That's usually your lead, your best part of your writing. Right. And then I'll, then in my next paragraph, I'll say, this is the, um, this is the lead to my 550-word article about um, walking, walking fit. And then I'll tell, you know, who my sources were maybe if I have sources and um, kind of the focus of it. If I have a sidebar about great music to walk to, I'll, I'll talk about that. And then in the third paragraph, I'll tell all about my credentials. You know, that I'm, I'm an award-winning writer. If you've won awards in any writing contests, um, maybe you are a health and fitness professional. You can put that in there. Whatever you can put in there that will make you stand out from the crowd, you put that in there. And here's the thing. People say, well, Michelle, yeah, you've been published a million times, but I didn't start there. When I started, I didn't have a million publications either. You just put it in there, whatever will work for you that will make you stand out from the crowd. And then the last line I always put is, you know, thank you so much for, um, for considering my article idea. I'd be happy to send it at your request. And then on my last line, I always say, this gets me so much work. I'll say, if this particular article idea does not work for your publication at this time, please know that I'm open to taking on assignments and would love to be a part of your freelance pool of writers. That's it. And so many times they may reject me, Joyce, they may say, oh, we already have an article about walking fit, but we like your professionalism and we do have some articles to assign. We're going to take a chance on you. Mm -hmm. And I'll get my foot in the door just because I add that one line at the end of my query letter. It's golden. So that put something in there. That is golden. That is golden. Put it in there. Yeah. I will put that line in the, um, in the, in the show notes. Um, but what would you call that? Your, um, I, that's my little, it's my closer. I say, uh, it's my freelance pool of writer closer. I always say, if this article doesn't work for you, please know I'm willing to work on assignment. Meaning you give me the, you give me the topic and I'll run with it. And then I'll say, I'd love to be a part of your freelance pool of writers. Because many magazines you'll find out, even if they take um, query letters, they end up using, uh, you know, 15 or 20 of, the, of their favorite writers because they know that they produce for them. They don't have to take clients on them. And so that it's, that's what happens if you do a couple articles for them. All of a sudden, you're the go-to girl. They'll be messaging you. Instead of you messaging them with an article idea, they're coming to you and going, hey, you're the mom expert. We need something for Mother's Day about, you know, 10 inexpensive things you can do with your family for Mother's Day. And you're like, I'm on it. I mean, they give you the idea, and that's, that's kind of a, a great way to go because that, that's when you finally get a couple magazines that are coming to you, that's some pretty good income, and it's consistent. You can count it every month, and right. don't we all love that because car payments come every month, you know, <laughs> right? Yes, they do, and everything yes, else. Yes, they do. <laughs> so, but yeah, that, I think that's excellent, and what I, you know, as you were talking, and I'm just sitting here thinking about this is 
this can really help you not only with your income and your exposure, but you're also honing skills in a little bit different area. And, and so as we were talking before, you know, those skills come in handy. Every little different kind of writing you do, it comes in handy. And who knows, like with me and fiction writing, I might have my character write an article, you know, and right. talk about the different things that she's doing to, to get it. And if you know that, you're not going to have to talk to somebody who does that. You already know the process. So. That's exactly right. And, and it helps you hit deadlines. I mean, I think part of being a professional writer, and that's, that's the goal, is knowing how to hit deadlines, you know, being a person of integrity that if they say, this article is due on Tuesday the 19th that you actually have it there by Tuesday the 19th. I mean, I always tell people when they say, I just, I don't know how you get everything done. Like I just can't, you know, I just don't, I'm not very motivated. And I always say, give your, give yourself a self-imposed deadline. Deadlines, there's a quote that says, nothing makes you more productive than a deadline. I mean, it's true because like, you know, of course there's another quote that says, I love deadlines. I love to see them or hear them wishing by. I've heard people, I've read that one too. And it's not my favorite quote, although I've lived that at times. But you, you really, by, by taking on magazine articles, not only does it build your credibility and get some more publishing credits that way, but it does, it, it makes you more of a professional because you work with an editor who might come back and say, we love your lead, we think the middle's strong, we kind of would like you to have another sidebar, um, and we think that we need a stronger ending. So you don't have to work with an editor because if you have a book that's going to come out, you're going to have to learn to work with an editor. It's not going to, you're not going to bat 100% every time, right? So mm-hmm. it's great to learn how to work with an editor. You learn how to hit deadlines. You learn how to write in different styles, whereas one magazine might be more academic and, and very, um, very, very serious. Another one might be more conversational, more like a blog. Mm-hmm. It's great because you learn how to do all those things. So you kind of become the jack of all trades, which is great. It makes you a very marketable writer. Right. Well, another thing I was thinking, too, when you were talking is this is huge is people follow the guidelines. Find out mm-hmm. what the guidelines are because nothing irritates someone on the other end. Like I, I used to work for an eye doctor and I put a job posting out on one of those, um, job sites. I think it was zip recruiter or something. And people would send me, I was looking for an eye doctor and this woman who was looking for an office manager job sent me a resume. And I'm like, did you read it? Did you not even, (laughs) yeah. Did you read the instructions? You know, so read the guidelines and actually follow them first, because if you don't do that, they're just going to say, Saranara. Well, yeah, that's because if they can't trust you to read the guidelines, what makes them have any confidence you could turn out a good article? I mean, really? I mean, that's, you're right. That's the first step is just to follow the guidelines. If they say, we don't accept email submissions, you have to submit to the U.S. Postal System, then don't think you're the exception, send an email submission. Already, you're like, they're worse. You're like the problem child and you haven't even met them yet. That is not a good place to be. You have to follow directions. It's like, you're right. That makes you more professional. That's a great thing. And then the other thing is hitting the deadlines, you know. Yes. Now, that have is- you ever come to a point where you said, I've got all this going on. I'm going to be a day late and say. I mean, that's the worst feeling. And I pulled many an all-nighter in, in my day to hit deadlines. Um, there, there, there have been a couple of times when there's an extenuating circumstances where I've just I've needed an extra day or two. And, you know, most of the time editors will build that in into their schedule. But you have to realize if you miss your deadline, that may make um, art have to push their deadline back. And, it, and, and if, they, if they've got a print deadline where they have to have all of their content ready to go to the printer, if it's a print thing, 
and they miss that, they still have to pay. Like they'll pay penalties, and it could be your fault. You will never get another assignment from the editor. Like that's you don't want that reputation. You want right. to be the person to end so the, on time. Yes, and, so and the and point good. is, if if you have a deadline, if you've got to stay up all night to do it, do it. <laughs> that's I mean that's just it. Get yourself some caffeine, whatever your your poison of choice is, and get it done. I know when um this and this just happened this past year. My daughter Abby was um, in the hospital having. Our grandson, she he came a month early, oh, a little over a month early, and so you know she had she had preeclampsia, and it was very touch and go for a bit. And I was not leaving the hospital. I mean, I was sleeping on the floor there next to her bed um, because we didn't know her blood pressure was high and Bear was in the NICU, and it was just really scary. So I wasn't leaving the hospital. But in meantime, meanwhile, when she'd be sleeping and we wait for the doctor to come in, I, I had already agreed to do twenty devotions for Marilyn Jansen at Worthy Inspired for one of their compilation devotionals. It was called Just Breathe. I needed to just breathe. I need somebody to breathe for me. Now, doesn't God have a sense of humor? I mean, do you think God sometimes allows stuff like yes. that to happen to, for us to just, you know, because I know, um, I think one of the ladies in the group, or no, I know who it was, I, a lady I edited her book for was talking about time and how, you know, taming time and managing our time and that kind of thing. And she said, you know, she talks about her story where she got so stressed out with her health years ago, she realized she had to be a better manager of her time mm -hmm. and not take on so much. And she started doing this book and then she started again having all those issues with time. And she's like, I see the humor in this. And then I'm here I am struggling with it because I've got so much going on and I'm trying to write this book, you know. So yeah, that is a sense of humor for sure. Exactly. I, I, yeah. There's a plan in that. But I'm, i I remember I turned in those devotions two days early actually to Maryland and um because I there was a lot of time in the hospital during the night, I'd be up praying and and you know, just because it was pretty touch and go for a bit. And I had, I had quite a bit to write about. I had some good information. I was like, you know, because I was having to just breathe and trust God and know that his promises are true, even if you can't see the outcome and all that. And so I was living it. So I was having some good stuff to write about. And I turned it in and, and I had been putting on Facebook. You know, Facebook can be a bad thing, but it can also be a good thing for prayer requests. And I've been putting on there every day, like, here's the situation. This is what we need to pray about because it was so scary. And she's a Facebook friend of mine, so she'd been following this whole journey and had been praying for Baby Bear and for my daughter, Abby. And so when I turned him in and she wrote back and she goes, I, I expected you to be asking for an extension and he's coming on time. I'm amazed. How did you do that? And I said, well, I've been, I mean, I've been having to live this book, just breathe. I mean, I'm trying to breathe and I'm stressed out. And I, and so it was just, it was a, it was really a, a sense of accomplishment to know that God could be with me during that time. And I could be ministered to by my own writing because I was having to, to really focus on that message of just breathing in the midst of chaos. So yes, I mean, I, when people tell me they can't hit their deadline, I, I don't, I don't have much grace. I don't think I got a lot of that. I wasn't in the right heaven line for that. Cause here's, <laughs> I wasn't, I'm like, um, if I can hit my deadline, girl, you can hit yours because I, I have been in situations where I could have taken advantage and I didn't. Right. I've been in situations where I needed grace and, and, and they give me grace. So I have to remember that, but, I just think unless there's a death or something, you better hit your deadline. You better right. hit it. That's the thing is make a yeah. commitment, keep your commitment. That's right. You know? Be a person of your word. Yeah. And if something else has to fall by the wayside, you it know, then let it fall by the wayside for a short time to get it done. But yeah, I'm, I'm that way too. It's just, yeah. you know, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Yeah. That's right. <laughs>
I mean, there were summers when I had two books due. They had their deadlines were within like three days of each other. They're both devotionals and they both were yearly ones. One was Dailyism for Working Women back like 2003 is when that came out, I think. And then I had another one and they were both due the same day. And I'm like, when I signed the contracts, I didn't even notice it. And I didn't have an agent at that point. I'm like, oh no, what in the world? Like, I'm like, yay, Dance Joy, two book contracts. I'm like, oh no, they're both due the same time. How did I not see that? And I'd already signed the contracts. I had to do it. So I, I didn't shower a lot that summer. <laughs> it was a lot of bath and body works going on. Like, oh my gosh, I was just a crazy person typing, typing, typing. So, you know, you, there, you have to try to really make a good effort and let some other things, uh, maybe not your hygiene, but other things you really have to let go to the wayside. Because, you know, that, that market- around you, your hygiene is important. <laughs> my husband's really glad when I found my way to a shower. But yeah, it's very <laughs> that you that you uh that you hit your deadline so i don't have a lot of grace on that but i do understand things happen and, and you gotta remember all these editors are human they've been through some stuff too so they will be pretty nice but if it keeps happening you won't be asked to do any more articles they just right there's always somebody ready to fill your spot really right so do you recommend um authors doing articles that aren't necessarily paid just to get the exposure i do get going or what do you um suggest with that I think that is a great way to get your feet wet in the industry, especially if you don't have any kind of um, credits. When it, a lot of these, um, in these writer's market guides, it'll say query with, with clips. And if you don't have any clips and you think we're talking about toenail clippings, that is not what we're talking about. We're talking about like actual published pieces of work that you've <laughs> out of a magazine or a newspaper or you print it off the internet. But something that's a clip that shows you have, you have written something and it has been published. That's what a clip means. So if you don't, if this is a query with clips, you don't have any clips, then you need to get some clips. And the quickest way to get those is to write for magazines that maybe pay in copies or in subscriptions, or they they just don't pay at all. Because here's the thing, most of the people like myself who've been at this a while are not going to write for those. You're not going to be competing with somebody who's got 20 years under the belt in the industry. You're going to be competing against other newbies, which will give you a better chance of breaking into that industry um, because you're not competing against somebody who's got like a lot of publishing credits. And here's the thing, I'll still write for some of those that don't pay, like um, CBN, Beth Patch, who's there, they, they do a lot of wonderful stories, and they don't pay, but it's CBN. They get tons of hits a day. It's like writing for Godpost. I mean, you're going to get a lot, of, a lot of hits. So if you're trying to get your name out there and build credibility as an expert in this particular genre or, you know, get people to, to click on the link at the bottom, takes them to your book or to your speaking ministry or whatever it is, then writing for a thing like a magazine or a website like CBN or Godpost, I mean, that, 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 is a, that is a big yes because that's going to get you more traffic than probably anything else would. Right. So even though that doesn't pay, it pays in other ways. Right. You'll see a spike in the hits you start having on your website and stuff if you write for them. Um, and then also, if you're writing for denominational magazines, like let's say that you go to Free Methodist Church. Well, if you go there, they've got a magazine called Light and Life. Now, Light and Life does pay but they typically like to work with free Methodist writers. I mean, you know, because the doctrine might be different than if you're Baptist. So it, it's they, not that you have to be, but it, they're probably going to be more um, apt to publish you if you have a free Methodist background. So I also say use whatever connection you have. If you have been raised Southern Baptist or whatever, then, you know, write for those magazines. If you've been raised free Methodist, then go ahead and query, put that in your query. Look, I was born and raised free Methodist. I live and breathe this stuff. I know exactly what we believe and, and I can write in a very intelligent way to your readers because I am your reader. I am part of your readership. 
I think that's a great way to establish yourself as, as a go-to writer for that particular denominational magazine. And every denomination has one or two. So mm -hmm. look for those. Another good way to break into magazines is Sunday school take-home papers. They've got those for both children and for adults. And there's 52 a year. They usually have one, it's a weekly thing. And that's a lot of, that's a lot of, of opportunities for publishing for you. They don't pay a lot. Some don't pay at all. But again, you're not going to have a big competition for those who are well-published. It's not like, you know, there's a big competition for writing for things like um, Writer's Digest or The Writer or um, Family Circle. But some of those, because those pay like $1.50 a word and people who are big names are writing for those. Yeah, it's great to get some of those under your publishing credits, but that's probably as a new writer that it would be hard to break in. Right. But it wouldn't be hard to break into like CBN or Jesse Fleuria's Clubhouse or Clubhouse Junior if you write for kids. Those would be easier. I know he gives a lot of people their first publishing credits. So I do say yes to that. It's great to write for magazines that may be online and print that don't pay just to get some clips so that you have that experience and you've got something to show an editor who maybe will pay you for a future article. Do you suggest, like, if someone like me, I've blogged for years, and I've got blog posts, can I use any of those blog posts that are, like, some of my favorites as clips? Or do Yes, and that's a great question. I think things have changed so much in the industry, and blogging is, is such a, I mean, people get book contracts based on the male blog followers they have. You know, that's a, that's a big platform. So, yes, I think that if you don't have any other magazine clips to show, if they said query with clips, it will be okay to send um, your, like, top three favorite blogs, that, especially the ones that have a lot of hits. Then you can put that in your cover letter or your query letter. You know, these are three that had, you know, it's always good to have numbers in there. If you, if you can quantify and qualify those numbers, that's good. Put those in there. I think another thing that you can do is if you've written for, um, a lot of churches will have uh, an online um, church website where they need people to write on there like do like little articles or things or if you have a um if your denomination has like different um areas in the country where they're calling districts in some of the denominations and maybe they have a newsletter that goes out and you've written for that or maybe you've written for your college alma mater like they a lot of times they'll have their own magazine or website where they're looking they love to publish graduates that it makes them look good you know if they've got graduate students and that's a great way to write because if you if you graduated from IU and IU has a magazine they're they're more apt to use you than somebody graduated from Michigan you know they, they have to use one of their graduates that's another great way to break into a magazine writing um, and and not really have that many credentials because they, they already like you because you're you are a product of their university those are just some easier ways to get some clips some pretty quick clips uh, alma maters denominational magazines high school take on papers your church may have its own little uh, publication. Write for that. that. That's a great way to get your foot in the door and to, again, showcase your writing. And if you don't have any of that, use your blogs. You can also write for your local newspaper. They don't pay very much. They, in fact, they pay practically nothing. Like, I think mine pays 30 or $50 an article. Like, it's, it's, like, no, it's not much. But it, it gets you um, established in your local area. So if I'm wanting to speak about maybe to, to churches or women's ministry groups or to moms in Lawrence County, Indiana, it would, it would definitely benefit me to then write for the Times Mail because that, that's going to go out to like, you know, 45,000 homes or something. Well, that's great in this, in this all these counties. If somebody reads that about I've got a new mom book coming out and they've got a mops group and I put in there I like to speak to mops groups, they're probably going to call me because I'm local and to fly me in. I can drive across town and they, I might not know them any other way. So there are, there are, you see, there's always a way to kind of strategically use it to your benefit. Yes, write for all of the above. I, I still write for some freebies just because there's a benefit to it. Right. So let's break this down and review real quick. Okay. First, um, 
get the guy, writer's guides, either Reader's yes. Digest or Christian Market. Both are on Amazon. Yep. And we'll have links. The links for you, yeah. And so, so know the guidelines is first. Gotta, gotta know the guidelines. Gotta and you, and you gotta you gotta. I think it's good to visit the actual website of the magazine you're trying to write for to read the back issues, so you kind of know the tone, and you're gonna you're gonna know what to submit. You'll know how to submit it, where to submit it to, the name of the person. Follow directions. After you do that, follow directions. Right. Then once you get accepted, well, first query letter. Yes. And if they're, say they struggle with query letter, because I have to say that was intimidating to me when I first heard about those. But um, I'm sure we can Google it or maybe there's something. Do you have any kind of example? I do have examples. I, I teach about that on the Serious Writer Academy. But there's also examples in, um, in these writer's market guides. They will have sample query letters. So in the front of it, you, they will have a sample query letter. And I have some handouts of my, uh, that I teach at different conferences. Maybe I could send yeah, you one. Can you give me the link? I can, I can put it in here and we can put the samples in there. I can do um, that for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be great because I'm I know I'm a visual learner. I have to see it myself. Yeah. yeah. Let me see it. Let me study it. Let me figure it out. And then, right. you know, make sure you put your own little personality and spin on it because you don't That's want to right. die and too sterile. You want it professional, but you want to have your voice, your personality in it too. Because this is your, this is really your calling card. This query letter is their first impression of you. So you want it to sound like you, not me, because you're going to be writing articles so that you want it to have your, like you said, your little personality, your spin while keeping it professional, because this is your calling card. This is your, ta-da, here I am. You so want to publish me. That's what this query letter is all about. It's about saying, man, you cannot not publish me. Look how great this is. You like my voice, you like my tone, I've got great sources, look at my credentials. This is your calling card, so make make your query letter really sing. Okay, so then the query letters in, say you get accepted, then you follow, of course, whatever their instructions are for the, to write the article, right. and then they will, in turn, if it's paid, they'll pay you eventually, and you follow those directions, because I'm sure there'll be directions for that. that some of them will have a contract for you to sign, others it's just you know, kind of, this is what we do. And always pay attention to when you're reading about them in the writer's market guides, whether it's the Christian one or the, the general market one put out by Writer's Digest Books, look to see if they pay in copies, if they pay, if they pay, um, uh, some of them will say pay on publication, meaning like they may be buying my article for next December. Um, that means I'm not gonna, even if I turn my article in today, I'm not gonna get paid till it actually appears in that magazine in December. So if it says pays on publication, that's a long time to wait if you were hoping to get vacation money. That's not happening. So you you know you want to make sure so that you can go ahead and do that. Know you'll have some Christmas money, but that's right. But you're not gonna go on vacation with it unless it says pays on acceptance. If it says pays on acceptance, that means you're in the money. As soon as you turn it in and they accept it, you get paid. And then if it says you know pays in copies or pays in subscription, then you know you're not getting anything except for maybe a subscription to that magazine or some sample copies that you will use as clips for future things. So you pay attention to how they pay and when they pay. Right. So for me, like I, I'm going to do this now that we've talked and I Yay. feel better about this. I'm so glad. Um, I would think to like kind of gear towards two or three publications and tr just kind of test the waters, you know, get my query letter together or if they want the whole thing and, and send them out there and try it. Is that a good way to start? I think it is, and you want to make sure that you keep good records. So, I I have, um, and I really I do old school. There are online programs like Excel sheets and things that you can use, and I can give you that link too. I've got those links. Okay. I just still use um, 
an old school, I got it at Wally World, you know, or Target, whatever. It's a little um, note card holder. And I have note cards. I've got different colors because I think they're pretty. So I, like, I might use pink for my women's magazine ones and yellow for my children's magazines. And I, so I've got them all color coded. And I'll put the title of the article at the top and then number one, the name of the editor, the name of the magazine, what day I sent it, when I expect to hear back. Because usually it'll say expect to hear back in three to six months or something. I'll put all that in there so I know. I'll look through them from time to time. I'm like, you know, I should have heard back from them. Maybe I'll drop them a postcard and see where that's at. But I, and then if I get accepted, I put yay, smiley face, how much I was paid, when it's going to come out, that kind of thing. And that way I can keep track of where I'm submitting. Now here's the, here's the cool thing about this. Let's say you have three different magazine article ideas based on what you're working on right now. So if it's a mom book or whatever. So you've got three different query letters you can write. So you write all three query letters and then you find markets for each one of those topics in your writer's market guide. So you've got, you know, like, okay, I've got three different magazines I can send this to. If it says in that writer's market guide that, that you can, that they accept simultaneous submissions, that means they're, they're aware that you're sending this exact same query letter to more than one publication. That's great. That means you can actually have three query letters on three different topics and send each one of those to like five or six publications. You can have like as much as 18 or 20 query letters out at one time. That's a good thing because that means at least maybe one or two or three of those are going to bite on it. I mean, that's a great situation. You have to be writing three articles, so get ready. But that's a good thing. So you can do it if you're like, okay, I don't know if I want to, if I want to pitch three articles at once. I mean, you can start small and start just do one article one query letter, but send it out to five or ten publications. If it says they take simultaneous submissions, that's totally fine. And many times, because they know that you are submitting to other places, because they take simultaneous submissions, they might jump on it quicker. So I will say in my query letter, um, due to the timeliness of this article, because like, let's say I'm pitching a holiday article, you know, I, I want to make sure it gets in this holiday, not the next one. And usually that work like three to six months ahead. So I, I don't want to miss that window. So I will say, due to the timeliness of this article, I have, um, I've sent it to several other publications and knowing that your policies and simultaneous submissions are okay, I just want to make you aware that I had done that. That's kind of like people say, well, isn't that negative? No. And it usually makes them go, okay, if we want this, you better jump on it because somebody else may get it and we're going to plan a whole issue around this article and then somebody else is going to buy it. So right. you want to make sure that I include that in there. So it's kind of like, if you want this, you better jump on it. Don't, don't you know, string me along for six months. So you can put that in there. But that's, so that's a great thing. That means you, one query letter could could. You can set up widespread, five or ten. I, I never do more than ten, but I always do at least five. Okay. That's, that's why you got to keep the records. Yes, and I think that's great. I'm an Evernote girl. That sounds like a great thing for Evernote. <laughs> I like Evernote. My, my, my assistant, or she handles my um, social media, some of it, uh, Ashley Jones, and she got me turned on to that. Evernote's good. Yeah, I Evernote like it. Evernote is ever awesome. <laughs> it is ever awesome. It's ever so awesome. I love it. That is, that is my thing on it. Well, what are you working on right now? I think you've mentioned the mom devotionals or anything else you're working yes. on. They call me mom. I'm, I'm neck deep in that right now. And then I'm just fresh off um, New York city at that book expo America. We, um, we met with lots of different editors and publishers pitching new projects and uh, several wanted to see full-blown proposals on just things we pitched at the booth. So I am working on a lot of proposals right now. You know, so that way when I finish my mom devotional, hopefully I'll have something else on my plate. So that's why I'm in proposal mode until, uh, and I'm getting ready to go teach it at a conference. So I'm also getting my notes together for that. So that's, that's enough. That's enough for right now. <laughs> but that's what I'm working on. It's so much fun. Proposals yeah. are fun. If you don't know how to do that, you know, there's lots of 
online helps with that. But yeah, yes. I'm in proposal mode and working on my mom book. Definitely. So what words of advice and encouragement do you have for new writers or someone struggling to write their book? You know, I'll give you this. I think you have to know that you're not on this journey alone. Many of us, you know, writing is a solitary venture. We, um, we, we sit in front of our computers and we, we just type words all day long or however many hours a day you put into this. And it can feel really lonely. You can, you can feel like you're on this journey alone, but you are not alone. And here's the greatest thing about that is you have to know that if God has called you, he has equipped you to do this. And I, I think you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing now. You wouldn't be listening to this. You, would, you wouldn't be invested in this if you didn't feel called. Um, it's, it's, I think it's good to have a writer's group or a critique group or at least a network of people who support you so that when you have that day where you feel like a cred ball and that you're never going to be published and that, you know, I might as well eat worms. We all have those days. Or a day when you get like seven rejection letters in the mail, you're like, why am I even doing this? Like, why am I doing this? you got to have that friend that you could call who can say, you're doing this because God called you to do this, and you're amazing, and, and, and have that person to remind you of who you are in Christ Jesus. you got to have someone in your life like that. And many times it's not just our spouses or our family. It's got to be another writer who gets, because we're quirky. Writers are quirky, and we're <laughs> emotional, and we have highs, and we have deep lows, and, you know, it's part of that whole creative process. And, and I just think it's good to know that that's very normal to have those highs and lows. And there's I think I quit like twice a week. I mean, you have to know that no matter if you've got 80 some books like I do or no books, we all have to go through those same cycles of, I think it's just part of the creative process and just know that you're not alone and that it's okay to feel like that. But just um, my, my biggest, my biggest piece of advice would be is commit each day to the Lord, have him ask him to prioritize your day uh, to I, I, everything I send off. I'll say, Lord, I just thank you. I have favor upon this manuscript and that it lands at the editor's hands at the right moment and at the right house. And Father, close the doors I'm not supposed to be going through because I don't want something published just to be published if it's the wrong house. Right. You know, that's, so, um, but just commit it all to the Lord. And you know what? I wish somebody would have told me 20 years ago to enjoy the journey. No, I mean, I've worked myself so many hours, and, and sometimes I didn't enjoy it. I did it because we had to have money, and I just took on any assignment. If it, if it wasn't illegal or immoral, I said yes to it. Yeah, bring it on. And uh, I just wish someone would have told me, you know, Michelle, enjoy the journey. And, and so I'm telling y'all, enjoy the journey. This is a great gig. This is so much fun. I mean, it really, how many people in life would love to write? And we get to do it. So um, it, you will be published. Just, just don't fret if it doesn't happen overnight. It will happen with the right house, with the right magazine at the right time. Just commit your works to the Lord. Roll care of that over on him and enjoy the journey. This is a fun time. I think we get so serious, but this is really a good time. I love what I do, and I, I don't know you do too. Okay. And that it shows in our writing. If you love what you do, it shows in your writing. So enjoy the journey, y'all. I want you to, to know you're not alone on this, and we can celebrate our victories together, and we can lift each other up during our defeats. And I, I wholeheartedly agree because I have to say almost every one of my clients have had this moment of, I just don't know that I'm qualified to do this. Yeah. I'm really not that good of a writer. Yeah. And I'm like, that's why God gives you editors. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, you, and you do get better. You know, you do get better. And, um, you know, I had one this week said, so I'm never writing another book. I'm like, yes, you will. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you will, because I will make you. Yeah. No, see, isn't that good to know that everybody goes through that? I mean, the most accomplished people. I, I interviewed Frank Peretti once for a magazine article for Home Life. And, and he talked about some self-doubt that he had and how when he would get up to speak about writing, he never felt qualified. I'm like, do you know that you're Frank Peretti? I'm like, I'm sorry. 
Hi, you're Frank Peretti. That should be enough. But he, so for he, those of you that don't know who Frank Peretti is, like how many books has he written? I, I don't oh, know. Um, like this present darkness, Frank Peretti. I yeah. mean, he's just yeah. That's, I mean, that yeah. series is my favorite. I mean, yes. that series really opened my eyes to the spiritual world. Oh, it does. In such a clever way. And that, and that book was rejected like by like every major publishing house before Crossway took, took a, a chance on him. So, I mean, he was rejected too, but I, he said, he talked about, how when he get up to speak about this, he didn't ever feel really confident even in his skills. I and mean, he's Frank Freddy, but he would look down and see his wife who was looking up at him smiling. And they're like, you know, the cutest couple ever. And, and it would give him that little boost. And I thought, see, everybody needs that person in their life, whether it's your spouse or your best friend or your mom or your sister or whatever, that you can look at them and go, okay, I'm having one of those days. Tell me, tell me again why I'm doing this. You know, because we have to have that. So you just got to make sure you both can't be having a bad day on the same day. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's got to be a combination. No, no. That's right. Definitely. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for this time and just sharing your pearls of wisdom with us and, and encouraging us on this journey. Because like you said, it can be lonely sometimes. I do have a group that a lot of my listeners may know about, um, but some of them may not. It's called Write My Book Nonfiction. And it's a Facebook group, and we do have a lot of encouragement in there and oh, posting good. things. And so and if I want people to post, you know, when they publish and when they do something, if we want to celebrate it. And, yes. You know, and if you just go, hey, I wrote two times this week. That, I'm like, that's two times more than you did last week. You know? Amen. That's right. We will celebrate small and great victories. So I'll have to join that group. I, I'd like to be yes. a part of that. I'll yes, come find I will, you guys. I will make sure you get in there so Yay. so that you know what what's going on. And obviously when I share this podcast, then I also share the podcast each week too. So definitely well, be aware of that. And if, if you can get in a part of any small group in your area, like either through Meetup or um, if you do fiction, is Word Weavers only fiction, do you know? Okay. No, it's it's all kinds of writing. It's okay. Yeah. Um, Word Weaver groups. I just found out about those, and I'll put a yeah, link. Even to ever since the president of that, there's they're they're international. They're everywhere. Yes, and so you know, any kind of writing group. If you just Google writing groups, writing associations, you will find them. Or yes. hang out with some writers, like I did at Blue, Blue yes. Ridge. So, um, Michelle and I were both were at the the Blue Ridge Christian so Mountains, Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Writers Conference. I will get it right. I know. I have to always say, I have to look at the letters every time when I say it. There's so many. It's true. But, and you know what? In the back of these writers market guides, as this Christian one especially, there is a listing of writers conferences. Exactly. And, yeah. So that's, that would be a great place. Are the associations in there too? There are many. Okay. I don't know if all, but like it's by state. So it tells you like in Oklahoma, Fellowship of Christian Writers tells you where they meet, what night they meet how to get in touch with them. So there's no excuse for being the lone rider. There's, there are people that you can hook up with here that will, that will be maybe your tribe. We all need a scribe tribe. Everybody needs that. Right. And you can have different kinds of tribes. Cause I mean, I feel like there's a blue Ridge tribe that we have. And then there's my write my book group. And then I have smaller, more um, intimate group that I'm a part of. So those are, those are the different things that you can definitely be involved in. But also, congratulations to Michelle. She won, was it two awards or three? I won two, so I was excited. that yes. um, My new sailor award. At I was, the conference. So tell yeah. us what the awards were for. They were the... I, I won, um, it was my fourth, well, fifth sailor, actually, uh, for children's picture books. It was for a book called My First Day of School. I, I wrote it for Worthy Kids last year, and... 
very honored to win that. There was, I mean, Crystal Bowman, I thought her book was amazing. So I was so honored to be a part of it. And then I, I had another book nominated for that same award with Paige um, Snedeker, who's my illustrator for that book. It's called I Love You the Mostest. And I actually was sure that, I was pretty sure that book went, went based on her. Her illustrations were amazing. I don't know if you all know Paige, but she actually paints with her with her mouth because she doesn't have the use of her arms or her legs due to wow. this muscular disease. And she is an amazing writer and illustrator. And so we partnered together because she's a good friend of mine. And I was so proud of, of how it turned out. But um, so that, that was nominated. Then I was up for the director's uh, choice award for my children's book called I Will Not Be Afraid. But Kristen um, Hogriff won for her um, I think it's called Redemption, her, her YA, which I'm so proud of her. And she's a good friend. And I, I, I kidded her afterwards. I'm like, oh, so you just had to beat me, huh? You just had to, but she's, she's precious. I'm so proud of her. So I was nominated for three awards and I took home one plaque and a, and a certificate. So I was very, very, very honored. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm excited for you. And that you. inspired me to get my tail in gear for next year. So yeah, you better have some entries next year. I'll come look. I know where you are. I can come looking for you. Yes. You will go hunt <laughs> me down, right? That's right. Well, thank you again, Michelle. And we look forward to uh, hearing more about what you do, of course, in the future. And all the moms will want to the mom book, I am sure. Yes. They call so me mom. Look for it next year. They, they, they call me mom by Craig. They call me mom, and it's going to be Bethany Judd and Michelle Medlock Adams. So. Yes, we're so excited. Yes, I love the name of that. So, well, thank yes. you so much, and you have a wonderful day. Thanks, y'all, too. Thank you for joining me today on the Rhine Hour, nonfiction tips from the Rhine Coach. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and listen on your favorite app each week. Leave a review and let others know how they can learn about the craft and business of writing. It's time to write your book.